Remote Patrol is sponsored by Simply Everything. Visit simplysyndicated.com slash everything to hear our entire back catalogue, new episodes before they're available as podcasts, and exclusive shows made just for Simply Everything, including every episode of Movies You Should See and the new series of Make It So. I'm Jason Hawk, he's Richard Smith, and she's Allison Downing, and this is Remote Patrol. We like talking about TV shows, and tonight we're going to be talking about Boston Legal uh, again, even though this is the first time you're hearing about it. I say again because my, my good friend, my close personal acquaintance, Richard Smith, hey there, lost the first recording that we did. Somehow, some way, it's all my fault. Send the bin I'm somewhere. blaming you. It, it, no, it genuinely is my fault. <laughs> I, I just went to, I had a file labeled Remote Patrol Boston Legal Part 1. It was there in my podcast folder in Dropbox. And I keep it there so it can never go wrong. And what happened when you clicked play? It was Quantum Leap Part 4. <laughs> no! And then you released Lost Girl Part 1 yeah. to the feed. Well, I kind of, I you wanted to did put, it. I did, because I wanted to put something out. And that I obviously couldn't put out Boston Legal 2 and 3 without Boston Legal 1. Mm. So that skipped us all the way to the Lost Girl Part 1. Okay. So the next podcast, which might have even come out, actually, because I timed it to come out. Uh, I can't remember when I timed it for. It was a week later. So Lost Girl Part 2 will come out. And then we'll do Boston Legal. Because now we'll have Part 1 again. Right. So Lost Girl Part 2 will have and came out prior to this. Which is to say that you guys are hearing this all out of whack. We're chronologically <laughs> challenged. <laughs> so if you're hearing bad. things about the future and how great it is in March or April, don't be surprised. That's it, pretty much. <laughs> but tonight we're talking, like we said, about Boston Legal, a TV series that was on ABC in the United States. 2004 to 2008, it had five seasons. And Allison, yes. this is your pick. It absolutely is, yes. It's one of my favorite of all time. It's I re- think that it's we really can all agree to, to that. Yeah. It, I don't know. On paper, you see, I wouldn't necessarily like anything like this. I don't normally watch legal stuff. No, I, no law and order. No, no, no homicide CS- life on the street. None of it. None of it. Just the wire. J- just the wire. Prime suspect. Yeah, but... But essentially, American law stuff. Don't really watch it. Ali, Ali McBeal, did you it. like that? No, didn't didn't watch a frame of it. Right. Uh, well, apart from the dancing baby thing, which reaffirmed that I shouldn't be watching any frames of it. So that was fine. Um, but I, I grew up watching things like Columbo and things like that. So I do like I do like stories that end in courtrooms as well. You know, do you Columbo? What, what what should I say? What he says. You- you have oh. no trouble doing it when you do it at home. Come Just on. one more thing. Okay, that's good. Okay. Oh, that was amazing. Did yeah, you I, like I, that? I, I, <laughs> that was great. Was it really? I remember it being better than that. That was life. a spot on Peter Falk. Now say, she doesn't get eaten by the eels at this time. <laughs> <laughs> In the same voice. Yeah, yeah. 
She doesn't get eaten by the eels at this time. See, if I were a 10-year-old, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name? Who? Oh, Fred, Fred from Savage. The Fred, Fred Savage. Savage yeah. yeah, I see what you've done here. If I were a 10-year-old Fred Savage, I'd be placated. I'd be put at ease oh. by your voice. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. So, yeah, I do like that, um, the kind of courtroom dramas and stuff like that, so... It, it appealed to that bit of my childhood where I, I like a good rousing and another thing kind of court case. And obviously I love Captain Kirk because, well, he's Captain Kirk. It's as simple as that and he's in it. And then, then there's Alan Shaw, the mighty James Spader. Um, that guy what was in Stargate. That was, was he in Stargate? <laughs> James yeah, Spader, he was he in was Stargate. A, he was the protagonist of Stargate. Have you not the seen the movie? You've seen Stargate, haven't you? I've seen with the, Kurt Russell and James Spader. No, because I'm thinking that you're talking about the Guauld and all that lot from the telly with the. Well, yeah, but it's it's where all the stuff on the telly comes from. It's a film. I don't know. I've not seen that. Oh, either. you'd like Stargate. No, it's you good. see, because the reason why I like James Spader is because of Sex Lies and Videotape and Secretary. You see, because that's the kind of James Spader I like, baby, and that's what we get in this. What's wrong with yeah. action, James Spader? Don't care. He's not sexy enough. You should see him in action mode. Have you ever seen him in action mode? Don't write him off. It's not hitting me on like, oh, I like you, I like you, James Spader, but not your action, James Spader. <laughs> not not in army clothes in the desert with guns and bombs and everything. No, I like the dirty one. Okay, yeah. And Alan Shaw's filthy. He's absolute pure filth, and, and it's probably why I love him so much. And I'm not necessarily sure that that's a, a good assessment of Alan Shore. Well, he likes not. to pretend to be filthy. <laughs> oh, no, I think he is, but he's, he's broken with it. You think so? I think that the whole point of the series is that he's, he's the quintessential good guy, but he can't stand being the quintessential good guy. He's <laughs> got to put on that coat of filth in order to make his way in this, this weary workaday world. Well, he's one of the guys who is willing... Um, much more than willing, actually, to to get his hands dirty. Unlike a lot of the other lawyers in there who who were very moralistic. You know, there, there are a lot of counterpoints to Alan's kind of character. He will go to the dark side to win. And some people won't. And again, that's why I like him. Even though it, it's so opposite to who I am. How, how he can behave sometimes just to get the win. We should set this show up so that there's some context around it. It's, it's worth um, mentioning that Boston Legal is a spinoff of The Practice and that Alan Shore was a character on The Practice. Was he a guest star? Does anybody know? Did anyone watch The Practice? So, uh, it's never been available to us on British TV. I think I he think. was in throughout the last season of The Practice. That's my understanding of it. See, I always saw commercials for the practice here, and it just didn't appeal to me at all. Even though, like Allison, I grew up watching some of the procedurals, some of the cop dramas, the courtroom dramas. I loved um, Perry Mason, so yeah, you would think that great. a courtroom drama would appeal, but I just never got into it. And then ever since I've seen Boston Legal and bought all of the DVD sets, mm. I've always kind of wished that I would have gone back and watched the practice. Yeah, me too. And it is, it's on a list somewhere of things that I must see. They are both David E. Kelly shows, which gives you some insight into what they are. I mean, as far as how the writing is. Mm. Very and clever writer. He is. He's great with dialogue, I think. 
Yeah, fantastic. I'm not necessarily sure he's good with characters. I think he's good with certain characters. Okay. Well, I, I guess we'll get to that kind of thing in a little while, won't we, with, with the characters? Well, the first, the first time we talked about it, and the reason that I said that is because the first time we talked about the characters, there were ones that you hated. You guys didn't like Denise. You didn't like Captain America. <laughs> this is true. I always like Denise. And I, I like I'm, how Denise looks. Okay, I Denise drives I me crazy. Differentiate there. <laughs> she drives me crazy. She couldn't ever be a friend of mine. Why? What's wrong with her as a friend? Oh, I just think you know, on the on the scale of femininity and ditziness, she's really over there, and I'm really over here. And um, I just, I, she's just a bit too much. She's like she's been plugged in. But her and her and Brad, Captain America, really do suit each other. They really do. I think they do too. But there are a ton of characters that we like and don't like in this show. Before we get to that, we should actually say what the show is. It's a courtroom drama, sure. You end up with a lot of that. But what makes it different? Why do you like this one so much? I think because we get to spend more time with the lawyers and the cases are interesting and... All of the all of the people in that law firm are a little bit off. They're they're not right, <laughs> you know. It's a law firm for weird people. It is a law firm for weird people. We get that firm straight away when one of the partners, Pool, is sort of dragged off, uh, back back to a psychiatric ward because he's really not well. Well, right in the pilot, the first five minutes, you see Edwin Pool walk in without his pants on, and that's how you launch the series. One yeah. of the three named partners in Crane, Pool, and Schmidt is clearly already gone. And you can see from the way that some of the other ones act, uh, Captain Kirk is right behind him, following right in his footsteps. And the the premise of most of the show is, will he absolutely lose his mind? Will he go and ruin the firm, the legal firm, through his his mad cow disease, as he calls it? (laughs) Yeah. So we're talking about Crane, of Crane, Poole, and Schmidt, the inimitable Denny Crane. Denny Crane. Which, of course, he's got to tell everybody. It's how he introduces himself. It's how he ends a sentence. It's uh, the the answer to many questions. Denny Crane. And it works. It's a good answer to questions. I like it. This now, is... we've, got, we've, we've got a big ask here. We've got to not see William Shatner as Captain Kirk. We've got to let that go and let him be Denny Crane. How easy he doesn't was that? Give you an easy, well, he doesn't give you an easy time of it, because this show is littered with Star Trek references. <laughs> yeah. So I they think. do keep that Captain Kirk fire alive and burning in the back of your mind the whole time. But yeah, he's an entirely different character, completely different personality. Complete, uh, no, there's, there's not really any more different characters, really, than than this. I mean, Denny Crane is like when when Captain Kirk has been Captain for 40 years and he's just had uh, win after win after win behind him and that's Denny, he's never lost he's monolithic in Boston everybody knows who he is he's got so much money, he doesn't even need to stand up in court anymore, he just has to be a partner and shh, and behave himself and in effect Alan's his babysitter which is odd because Alan kind of needs babysitting himself sometimes. That's the beauty of the dynamic of their relationship, though. They, baby, they, they babysit each other. They are father and son interchangeably. 
Exactly. Kind of like Marty and Doc Brown. <gasps> <laughs> there you go. I really don't like the word babysit, though, because that's a pretty pejorative term. And even though they do each individually have real, real psychological problems, sociological problems, I don't know. I, I like to think of it more as they support each other. They do, but as far as the term at the firm is concerned... Denny needs to be controlled in some way so that he's not embarrassing and the, the firm doesn't collapse around his clowning. So it is a pejorative term, but I think that that's how the firm see it. He needs to be looked after. To be fair as well, it's not just the firm. It's everybody who's not Alan. Fair play. It's, it's everybody. <laughs> of course, it's primarily the firm, but... We'll meet lots and lots of characters, all of whom will assume Denny is insane. And to some degree, quite like rightly so. Because he always perform- he always behaves as such. Let's give the uh, the listeners a taste of what Denny Crane is like. Let's see. he uh, How many people does he shoot during the course of the series? Is it's got to be six or seven. I think it, it was it has, six, it's, wasn't it's, it? It's at least one a season. <coughs> yeah. I'm sure that we can find it in the IMDb trivia, but it's somewhere in that ballpark. Six, seven, eight, somewhere in there that he actually shoots with a gun or a paintball gun in a couple of cases. Uh, he gets married. Does he get married three times during the series? Four times? Three or four times, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Uh, he gets divorced just as many times, except for the final episode. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that slipped out a little bit too quickly. He was married six times, including his very brief marriage in season two. Oh, good lord! Six times. Six times, which I believe was a, a question that you asked me in a quiz. I believe we did have a Boston legal trivia quiz at one point. Didn't we did, we? yeah. Oh, Let's hope it wasn't on this one. <laughs> yeah, that rich. I'm telling you. Did I lose? What? Oh, I meant, I meant it, it disappeared oh, right. of its own volition. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that harks it back to Star Trek is how many goddamn Star Trek actors are in this thing? You know, we haven't just got William Shatner. We've got René Aubergenois, who, who becomes a solid character all the way through. Um, he was Odo in Deep he, Space Nine. He was indeed. He played Paul Lewiston in, in this. Um, and... He really is the daddy of the family. He's really got to sort everybody out and keep the children behaving right for the board. So he he's the one who ruins all the fun as far as Denny's concerned. He's kind of like Toby in the office. Just a pain in the ass that gets in the way of good times. He's almost Odo. He is almost Odo. His character is closer to Odo than Denny Crane is to Captain Kirk. Oh, by a long shot. Uh, on the other hand, oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the actor's name. Who's the guy who plays Cork in DS9? It was there till you said it, and now it's gone. Armin Shimmerman. Right. Armin Shimmerman. Armin Shimmerman shows up as a recurring judge in mm. this show. There's an episode where Kirk, Odo, and Cork are all in the same room at the same time. Isn't there somebody else in that scene, too? Not that I know of. Ah, uh, seems like there was. No one important. Uh, Seven of Nine shows up as he a defendant. Does. Do we get Tony Todd at some point? I seem to feel like we get Tony Todd it's once Tony or twice. Tony Todd. The Candyman, Worf's brother. He's covered in bees. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Okay. Let's uh, let's go to the let's go to the magic of the internet to find out. Well, I found the trivia about the shooting. It says at the end of season two, Danny Crane has shot four people. And that's only the end of season two. Yes. So I bet he gets a few more in over the years. Because it's five seasons. <laughs> it says the fourth one is his therapist and then goes on, actually he shot a therapist twice. <laughs> Once in a 2007, session. Boston legal detective Walter Berenson, played by Tony Todd. Well. There you was go. Was in the episode called The Innocent Man. Tony Todd has been on everything. I seriously oh, that's the re- one where, um, that's the one where Katie and Jerry have to defend the, the guy who killed the, um, the guy who raped his daughter. On the bus. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Against all odds, new lawyer Katie Lloyd and Jerry win their un- unwinnable murder trial. That's spoilery for an episode summary on IMDb. There was also Ethan Phillips, Michelle Forbes, Scott Bakula, and Lee Duncan in this as well. Scott Bakula? Yeah. Wow. We kind of love him on this show, oh, don't I, we? I found a list. Uh-huh. I found a PDF of Star Trek alumni in Boston Legal. <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't I recognize any of these names? Is that the PDF that comes from that um, BostonLegal.org fan it site? It is. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't recognize any of these names. Oh, some of them are in green. Featured in Trek in the courtroom. This is a... What the hell is this list? Is this a list of names I've never heard of? Yeah, never mind. Ignore this. This is terrible. This, this could be a much better list than it is. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to send them a strongly worded email. I need their Star Trek character. And I don't honestly recognize a single name. It doesn't even have William Shatner on it. Well, John Larroquette was in at least one of the Star Trek franchises, wasn't he? Yeah... Didn't John Larroquette have a bit part in maybe Enterprise? Something like that. I, I don't remember it being a... Oh, it, this list does have William Shatner on it. I just found him. I can't remember who he played. Oh, he's a busy at, man, at is John Larroquette. He does a lot. He does. There's been a lot of people. Henry Gibson. John Larroquette was in six episodes of The Practice. I think he was playing the same character as well, wasn't he? Yeah, Carl Sack. I love it when people play characters from other things. That's why I enjoyed ah, the Avengers so much. That's what it is. John Larroquette was Maltz in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Right. Was he a Klingon then? Am I showing my Star Trek knowledge up here? Uh, I'm getting his um, character in the practice. Uh, John Larroquette's uh, character was called... Joey Herrick. Oh, so an entirely different character. Apparently so. All I can gather from this is we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> but lots of Star Trek character crossovers and lots of Star Trek references too. I love it when he get, it gets the message and his phone makes the um, the, the communicator noise. It that, does. And there's even one time where he joy. says, uh, "Did someone say Klingons?" Yeah. Well, I put out a challenge to our listeners. Why don't you go through seasons one mm. to five and find actors you know were in Star Trek? There's a little fun little game for you to play. <laughs> I think. Bit of audience participation. Maybe you could email me that list when you're done. Uh, or never. Thank you. 
All that is to say that William Shatner and James Spader do form the core of the show. And so there's a lot of Star Trek imagery wrapped up there. But that's where you spend most of the time, really, even though um, it's very much an ensemble cast. Candace Bergen comes in. She gets a lot of screen time. Yeah. She's um, Shirley Schmidt, the the real powerhouse behind this uh, this law firm, really. She's the, the one third who's, partner. Yeah, she's the one still on the ball. We've seen Denny. We know that Edwin's really quite sick. And she's together. She uh, is still on the ball. Um, and at first it appears kind of a ball breaker, but we, we get softened over time with her, which is nice. Um, but she is the pedestal. She's on the pedestal, erected by every man around her, basically, but particularly by Denny, who adores her. And uh, Alan desires her. And, uh, and pretty much every, every other man... Who, who comes into her, her circle is drawn to her. Uh, she's a great character, but hard to I've like at first. I've got to ask you this, because they do try very hard to, to show that she can play with the big boys, but at the same time, every single male in the show objectifies her. Do, do you think that that took away from her character? No, not at all. I think it, it added a lot because of how she dealt with that. You know, it does happen. Women do get objectified. It's how you deal with it that that counts. And and she was she was good. She was aloof, but with a wry smile on her on her face, what and she, using it to her advantage in some cases. What she does is a good job of using the fact that she is objectified to totally control and get her way with all of the men, all of the time. Yeah. It's part of the, I, I, I think, you know, as we've always said about the idea of, of uh, women being exploited in pornography and exactly who is being exploited there and for what reason. And I, I think Shirley Schmidt as a character does a good job of showing the, the strong feminine, just she's got control over all of them mm. because they objectify her so much, mm. but she's a, a, above it all. And just knows that they're all in the palm of her hand all the time. Especially Denny Crane and Alan Shaw. Hmm. So that said, of the four main cast, the ones that stick through it the entire time, James Spader, William Shatner, Candace Bergen, Rene Aubergenois, which one do you like the most? Alan. That's a silly Alan, question. That's a, just a breathless Alan. I adore a Alan. I, Alan. I adore this man. I really do. He is a phenomenal lawyer. He will win. And he picks his cases carefully. The, the kind of cases that he likes to win are very humane cases, I think. And we see him go through lots and lots of adventures sexually in a search for something or other. But it's where his vulnerability lies. And he is a very, very vulnerable man, despite being this incredible force of nature in a, in a courtroom. Really quite there's the fragile. One quote, there's the one quote where Shirley Schmidt says that she needs him in the courtroom because he has that darkness within him that she needs to tap into, that she really thinks that the jury can identify with and that the judge can get on board with, which I think is really kind of what sums up his entire character. Hmm. He can go there. He can do the dark stuff. And I, I'm going to take issue with one thing that you said, 
he said that he always takes the very humane cases. And while that's true the overwhelming number of times, he takes ones that you don't expect an awful lot as well. He, there's the one episode where he defends the white supremacist family. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. the, the two little girls who would sing the, the white supremacist folk songs. But how did he do it? Oh, he mocked them the, the entire time. But he was he's still willing to be a hired gun. Of course. Of course he is. And but some of that is about his um respect and upholding of the law when it comes to his job at least. You know, outside the courtroom he might do a few things that might be a little bit illegal. But oh, he's uh, totally willing to do something illegal. Yeah, he is. On a number of occasions he will lie to get to do what's right. And I mean, be arrested. It's something we like in characters. It's no different to Captain Picard breaking the Prime Directive to do what we know is right. And it's something good that we like in characters. See, I I think you can't separate uh, Alan Shaw from Denny Crane. Certainly not in in, in the question, which one do you like best? They're a pair, they're a duo, and you can't have one without the other. They're two halves of a, a working human being. Yeah. They certainly are two halves of the political spectrum. You put them together and it's like uh, acid and base. They neutralize each other. Mm. I honestly think it works to some degree. Like one's the little devil on your shoulder and one's the little angel on your shoulder. And (laughs) we as the audience are the owners of the shoulders. And And then let us be that as well. You're supposed to root for. Well, it will change depending on the situation. Mostly it will be Alan, but not always. Because let's face it, the show is to a very large degree democratic porn. It is very much indeed. <laughs> it is, and we use Denny as a whipping boy. He comes out with the stuff that we ridicule, and the kind of cases that the show picks up on as well get to thrash out the the liberal politics that we all enjoy so much. I, I would imagine there are a few sort of straight edged states that don't enjoy Boston Legal all that much. All of the ones in the middle. Those ones. Yes. Are they red ones or blue ones? Those are red ones. Red ones. I never remember because it's, it's backwards from here. Opposite way around from here. Yeah. Red is for danger. We should all become purple and, and forget our, our differences. No, isn't that Well, in kid? reality, they are purple. I mean, look at Ohio. <laughs> Ohio is split right down the middle. You got 52% liberal, 48%, well, roughly 48% conservative but it's still a blue state in most presidential elections and a red state in off year right Mm. so even the red states a a lot of them are uh, right on that line they're more purple than anything there you go and what's boston then is boston purple oh boston is extremely blue okay so danny sticks out like uh nothing well, he's part of the 1%. All right. And the 1% is going to be conservative predominantly, no matter where you go. Mm. Do they still hate us over there in Boston? Because we, we get that occasionally when you go abroad. There's lots of apologizing to do. and mm. I, I just think in Boston, they're kind of known for hating the British, aren't they? Have you been asked to, apolo- or to, to apologize? No, you just feel you should. <laughs> You're and blowing it, my mind, son. Honestly, it, it comes He's up... He's got I colonial mean, guilt, Jason. Th- there is a lot of colonial guilt as you travel around the world. There really is. I mean, come on. When we were going around that prison in Ireland, 
And oh they yeah, were, that they felt were like shit. That did all about what we did to the Irish <laughs> that for no felt like reason. Shit. And it, it was oh god, I'm so sorry. Oh, you want to you want to take a black taxi oh. cab tour around the Falls Road in in Belfast? Yeah. See how that feels. Yeah. So you've got that, and then you know there's the Europe thing, and the the Europe thing's not so bad because we kind of all owe each other an apology. Because none of us ever really got on. I think we do it. We, historically, we're doing remarkably well at the moment. That we've none of us have had a war with each other for a very long time, <laughs> and, and it doesn't look likely in in the the next few years anyway. Uh, but Boston as well. They, you know, we weren't that popular over there at one point. So I, I just wondered. Is there a little bit the of lingering sort of? Oh, it's the, you know, well, that is people. the home of the Boston Tea Party. Exactly. This which is was what I'm the saying. Inspiration here. Yeah, for the the Tea Party uprising, which God, I hope that's almost over. I hope so. They're not done with that. I thought they started that a long, long, long while ago. That's the tea kettle. Well, you, How much tea is it? Lose, it lost some steam after the presidential election, but it, they're gearing up again. Oh, that Tea Party. Mm. Right, right. The the kind of ad hoc, unofficial conservative, extreme, right-wing yeah. fracture splinter group. I thought they were still ruining our tea. No. <laughs> <laughs> were you to visit Boston, would you carry tea with you and just kind of hand it out? That would be hilarious. <laughs> like, sorry. That bit sorry. Tea hilarious. Just one yeah. at a time. Tea too? No, sorry. it was our tea that was thrown in the <laughs> Have a hob We should sorry. go there and they should give us tea and say, sorry, here's your replacement tea. <laughs> Take some of that home. And maybe after a few years, we'll have taken enough tea that Look, they've really made up for it. I tell you one thing that I do know. We'll make it fucking better. Yeah, you don't, don't leave it in the bag, do America. Stop there, doing that. But it's not right. Stop doing that. It's weird. Honestly, call us. We'll talk about tea. I'll school you on it. But don't do that. And that Tazo shit is ridiculous. Leave it alone. You know how when you drink a cup of coffee... That's like instant coffee. You don't put like another spoon of coffee in as you get further down the mug. So why why are you leaving the tea bag in the tea? <laughs> Stop it. Take it out, and then the whole cup is the same strength. Stir it. There you go. Yeah, add milk and sugar. It's but nice. Do not throw it into the ocean. That will ruin it. <laughs> it will. Anyway, I'm sure the people. I don't know Boston, where to go from there. I'm sure the people of Boston are very warm and welcoming, and I'd love to visit one time. And you can go to the bar that looks like Cheers on the outside, but isn't anything like it when you go in. Do you know what? I'd be really, really disappointed if we went to Boston and I couldn't get on that balcony and sit in those chairs and smoke a cigar and drink a whiskey. I, I don't think you the could. You know, street balcony. Yeah. I think it might have been a set. Well, I don't care then. I want to go to the set. Because there were lots of like outside tracking shots in a kind of we're not really 53 stories up kind of way. Yeah. It's not real. Oh, I bet it's just not real at all. It was, however, based on a real firm. Was it, it? And the show was originally supposed to be called Fleet Street based on the firm on Fleet Street in Boston. Right. See, where we, whereas we have a famous Fleet Street here, it wouldn't have worked anything like as well. It's where the journalists are here. Yeah. That's or the, were. That's so sad. I don't know where they are anymore. Um, the real building shown as the law office is located at 500 Boylston Street, Boylston. 1.4 miles away from Fleet Street. There's your trivia for the day. Wow. <laughs> I always wonder, is it on, so when they do that in TV shows... Are there any good lunch spots around there, Jason? 
there, there must be some people watching this show thinking, but that's my office. I, I, no, I work there. That's not mm. Alan Shaw's. That, that's where I work. And in the same way that people must look at, this is where the friends live, going, no, that's my house. Stop you know it. I get to do that with the Avengers. Yeah. Do yeah, you live in Stark Tower? Well, not Stark Tower. No, the, the big battle scene at the end was filmed predominantly in Cleveland. Really? Yeah, so I get to watch that and be like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> that's good. That's pretty cool. They did a lot of work to mask some of the Cleveland buildings, but Cle- downtown Cleveland has some distinctive architecture. See, so I knew there was totally a reason to visit. Architecture oh, and sandwiches. No. no, distinctive doesn't mean awesome. <laughs> there's some awesome architecture downtown Cleveland, but it wouldn't take you very long to tour at all. Maybe. I'll still save up pennies to come one day, though. <laughs> architecture doesn't take long to do at all anyway, does it? You just sort of go there and go, oh, just look up a uh, bit. Look at that. that's nice. <laughs> and then you I do love... I do love walking around downtown Cleveland, looking up at the buildings. They are great. But I'm just saying, Cleveland is a small, dirty city. It, it, if you have money, go go to an exciting place. Like I say, we'll go nearby and, and airlift you out or something. Just, like, rescue you for a couple of days and then airlift you back. <laughs> Sounds like work. He's got a car. He can drive. Okay, well, that's what you I meant, You certainly really. are welcome. <laughs> if not architecture, then we can do the fo- food tour of Cleveland, which that's is great. What, that's what I want to do. I want to do where Anthony Bourdain went to that Polish buffet thing. You bring two grand, I'll make sure that you have the time of your life. <laughs> two fucking grand. <laughs> that's just Well, I him. can eat a lot. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. I didn't know we had to pay your bill, too. <laughs> We'll get sandwiches anyway. from that place downtown. We can all get a Reuben and sit in the park and eat it and, and be happy. That sounds really good, actually. That <laughs> this is the problem really with what right Alison watches on TV is that whatever city in the world we're talking about, she can refer to that place downtown. And know what you should order Because she's in there. seen some American chef go and eat a sandwich there. <laughs> I think we've seen the inside of everywhere that sells food in the United States <laughs> at some point. If there are any left, I am stunned. Look, anywhere that that little fucking Guy Fieri, f- f- is that his name? Anywhere he's been, I'm not going. Right? I, I'm pretty sure that the BBC are showing every meal that is prepared in this country. Even mine. It's crazy. <laughs> no one's Guy Fieri's at your my kind of food, though, Alison. He's really not my kind of person. Yeah, he's a no, tosser. No, he's a total charge. But that's beside the point. He all that uh, hot sauce and barbecue, and pulled pork. Pulled that's pork. the stuff. You see, I mm. really—that's something that I really need to get into. And we've never had pulled pork. And every time that phrase gets said, and then I, the, I the sauce that. gets poured over it, I was yeah. like, I need that shit now. Yeah. Why is nobody making that here? Why does no one make pulled pork? We should do this. There's your business plan, Alison. Get some pork and pull it. <laughs> Sell it to people going, oh, look at this. I've seen a recipe. It's delicious, it's inexpensive, and it has a high sales margin. You can make tons of money on it. It's 40s weekend this weekend. Get cracking. We pulled pork. There was no war pork, though. There was no war pork. Go and do pulled spam (laughs) as a special promotional thing and then go back and do pork. You think my family had spam? I don't know what your family had in the 40s, Alex. My family had turnips. I don't know. And egg powder. Uh, You weird country folk. No. My, do you know what my family just, had, Alison? Just British bombs. in the war. That's what we had. Did you bombs. Just have bombs. Bombs okay. and other things. That's what we had, us city folk. 
Blitzkrieg and all that. That's what we had. Shelters. Yeah, turnips. My, <laughs> my, my, my family grew up about 20 miles away from your parents now, so... Nah. So, City there were no bombs falling on Doncaster. There was one. It's famous. It's called the Doncaster Bomb. I think it's in a museum somewhere. It didn't even go off. It was like some German training lad dropped it by accident. I don't know. They were bombing the shit out of Sheffield, though, so there you go. This is a little game the English play occasionally, which is whose family had it hardest before any of us were born. And it's, it's mostly comprised of bullshit. So well, my grandparents got married a week before they went off to war, and that's how they started their married life. And they knew they were going to war. My grandparents were killed by a war during their wedding. When they went into the to the jewelers before they even met, <laughs> they went into the jewelers that's to get happened. a gold band, and yeah. and the jeweler uh, had a couple in front of them in civvies. And he saw that my, my grandma and grandfather were, were in the in the jewellers in their uniforms. And he told the civilian couple, I'm sorry, we don't have any wedding rings at all. I'm really sorry, you know. We don't know when we're getting any more. And then they left and uh, um, my my grandma and grandfather were just about to leave the shop. He went, wait, 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 come, come, come back. And he got a tray out from underneath the counter with one ring in it. And it was like a curtain ring and said, I'm saving this for service personnel. This is your ring. And they got married and then they got deployed. There you go. That's how horrible it was for my folk. I don't know. Clearly it worked out because you're here. Yeah. Yeah, they both survived. That was a long story though, but... They both survived. Okay. Yeah, I was just imagining the remote patrol (gasps) and theme song kind of playing and (laughs) gradually fading out over about six minutes as as this continues. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Boston Legal. Just, just trail. Oh, is that what we were talking yeah, about? Yeah, Boston Legal. Shit. <laughs> I, was tr- I was looking at this cast list here and thinking, hmm, is there any way to relate Doncaster back to Mark Valley? No, Not I don't see it. I don't see a segue. Doncaster doesn't even have a valley. I was, it's near a valley, isn't it? <laughs> but I Someone called Mark lives there. There's definitely people called Mark there. <laughs> I, the I, four main characters we did cover, but the rest of them are really a rotating cast. And I can't remember where we landed on that, whether that was a good thing or a bad thing, because there's a mass wholesale house cleaning that happens at the end of every season. Characters just disappear. They, they keep the good ones, though. You know. They Sometimes some good ones go. Yeah. I, I really got attached to the cast of season one. I did. I did. Especially Ronamitra. Ron I, I really to... like Ronamitra. Yeah, I got rather attached to Ronamitra. And the judge said, stop him. Um, there were others, I don't know. I could have kept Jeffrey Coho around for longer. I really liked him in, what was that, season three when he came in? I think so. Mm. It, it only becomes more of a problem when you kind of feed on them all in one go. I think if you were watching it one a week, it wouldn't be so noticeable. Yeah, but when you blast through a DVD box set, and you tend to when you start watching them, mm. it, it's very noticeable. You see, Alan starts a relationship with uh, a girl called Sally, who's only around in the first part. Really, um, she comes back a bit later. Lake Bell. Lake Bell, yeah. Um, 
I don't know what I feel about her at all as a character. Um, She's a very wet actress, I mm. feel. She but left I've... to have a film career and then came back because she didn't get one. <laughs> yeah, because I don't, I don't know whether she was given enough or what, but she should have, she should have had a lot there playing Alan's uh, female interest for a wee while. Um, but yeah, I didn't miss her. She delivered her lines really unconvincingly, so she came off as kind of being shallow, even though she had a really neat storyline. Mm. Yeah. But um, I think, what was the name of the show on NBC? She left Boston Legal to be the, one of the primaries on some sci-fi show. Was it, I think it was called Surface. All right. I could probably look it up, but it um, it got canceled in its first season, and then mm. she came sniffing back around Boston Legal as a guest star. Right. Yeah, she did. So you do see her again after she leaves. Yeah, because she's but, got to uh, come back and tell Alan what she thinks of him, really. Now that she's had time to breathe and think and grow up a little bit out of his circle. The other one that disappeared mysteriously most of the way through season one was Monica Potter. Hmm. Yeah, she what played, happened uh, with her? Because she really, she really did just stop being in it, didn't she? Yeah, she didn't get fired or move away or anything like that. She was just not there anymore, as far as I can remember. Uh, she what's her character? Um, Lori. Lori, that's it. Yeah. Um, she serves a function in in season one, I think. Um, she's the well. She has to be the absolute straight laced foil. Yes, the she's place. a serious woman that that we can't uh, mess about with like we can with the other women. We can't even joke about it around her. She's very sensitive, very severe, very serious woman who is all about her career and really into the law, but uncomfortable when it comes to prosecution. So she, she's useful for a while, but I can live without her as well. She's too boring for me. She was not a fun character. No. You're absolutely right. She was not fun at She all. gets a wee little bit of fun when it's kind of uh, suggested that her and Alan might have a little free son. And, uh, and I well, enjoyed the, the, all that bit because he enjoys all that bit as well. Right. She's the most fun when she is his prey. Because mm. there's, there's a good long couple of episodes where he's stalking her yeah. and just kind of wearing her down. You can't admire him really, aren't you? He, he's like a leopard chasing a young gazelle. <laughs> you too. He's going to get that gazelle. <laughs> he is as well. You too and Alan Shaw. What's wrong oh, with it? Know. He's No, he's, he's tremendous. He really is. He's a sexy, sexy leopard. It's ridiculous. It, and I... It's something about James Spader that he brings to Alan Shaw that there's always in James Spader because we've seen it before. But in Alan Shaw, he perfects it so much. And it's just about the way he looks at you and the way that he says a particular line that is just one of those lines that floors you. And... He's just so skillful about invading your personal space and taking power. I love that shit. <laughs> oh, dear me. 
And it's the way when he steps up to speak to deliver a closing in the courtroom mm. where all of a sudden you can see him kind of shift his shoulders and he shrugs off all that nasty filth and sexual harassment that he's been throwing around the workplace. Mm. And all of a sudden he is the archangel Michael, the, the, the voice of God delivering down the edicts of how uh, ethics should work from upon high. Mm. And you believe every word he says. This is what's right, and you should trust me because I'm Alan Shore. I do, and you are, yes. Yes, 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 yes. He's perfect. A lot more perfect than Brad, who is an ex-Marine. He's very tight, very very uptight and, and kind of strict and moralistic and all the rest of it. He's perfect for Laurie. He's perfect for, for Julie Bowen's character. Very, Denise. You know, Denise, yeah. You know, king and queen of the prom. All, all I'd American. like to think that I look like Brad, but I don't. I don't like Brad's look. No, the square jaw, like I said, Captain America, blonde hair, blue eyed, strong, muscular dude. You don't like that? No. How's that make you feel, Rich? What? The, the, do you look like him? No, Is I'm that saying way? that I don't find the Brad Chase, Captain America, blonde, chiseled jaw, muscular look attractive. If if Allison found muscular men attractive, I wouldn't be here. So, you know, <laughs> th there's no two ways about it, really. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. I, I'm very rounded, I, I think is the best way of putting it. Yeah. In so many ways. Very rounded. But, you know, I'd, I'd go all the way to the other end uh, where somebody would need a pie. Um, that kind of thing. But the the muscular kind of chiseled says a great deal about how much time you spend on yourself to achieve that look and all the rest of it that comes with it. Just to clarify, is there pie? No, there's no pie. Okay. I, I generally there's, there's do no need pie. a pie. But not for <laughs> health reasons. <laughs> no. But no, no, Brad Chase is not the hottest man in that office. By a Who long is? shot. No, looks wise. All because I know that you have the thing for Alan Shore, but he's not the best looking guy. He's not he the best be. looking guy. I think the best looking guy is probably Jeffrey Coho. You're just being sexist. You're objectifying men. Frankly, I'm appalled. Well, I'll have a go at the women then. It's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it changes from season to season. That's the the women seem to revolve in and out a lot more than the men do. It's Ronamitra. It was Saffron Burrows until I noticed the chin. It was never Saffron Burrows and her chin bottom. Um, look at Saffron Burrows' chin the next time you're watching it. Her chin looks like a bottom. See what a you might be able to use that bottom. for. Um, what 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 would you what could you use that for? I'm even I thinking know. of dirty things. I can't imagine what, what benefit that was would have. That's weird. Um, and Judge Gloria. She's hot. Judge Gloria? Bit of an older woman thing. Is she thing. the blonde? Yeah. She's lovely. But yeah, it's got to be... Um, it's got to be... Um, Run a meter, I'm afraid. I, think I don't know why I'm afraid. Might, might well be right there. It, it's Ronamita. She's the most beautiful woman in the show. I feel like we've done a really good job talking about the characters, but not really pitching why people should watch the show to begin with. Uh -huh. um, 
Because it's not just the court stuff. That's the amazing <coughs> gut-wrenching thing that you can't wait to see at the end. Particularly when it's Alan's closing. Because it's perfect. Denny Crane is the most engaging character ever. And when you watch him, you'll fall more in love with Denny Crane than with Captain Kirk. And you'll begin to see William Shatner as Denny Crane and Denny Crane alone. And if you, want, if you met him, you'd want him to say Denny Crane rather than any other phrase because it would be perfect. Um, you do feel like Denny Crane is more true to William Shatner. Like he's a, a more accurate reflection of oh William gosh, Shatner than any other character. He's not stretching at all, is he? He's really not stretching at all. He's having fun. You feel fun. like if you walked up to him, William Shatner might look at you, shake your hand, and say, Bill Shatner. Yeah. In that same voice. Yeah. Oh, I bet he would as well. I'm imagining that happening to me now. Because they really are <clears throat> both just pure ego, and that's what it's all about. Yeah. This show's funny. It's really funny. Yeah, I don't think that we've really stressed that because we've talked about all how it's a courtroom drama, how you have all these engaging characters, but it's all about how they juxtapose the incompetence of their social lives with their competence in the courtroom. Yeah, it, it's really, really funny. And I think that's probably one of the first things I'd think of. You know, what does it make you feel? Well, it makes me smile. That's the instant thing. As soon as you start watching, when you're smiling and you want, you want to get to the bottom of the case, but that's not the point, really. The point is the people and how, how they are with each other. Do you have Ion Television? Is that a channel that you get over there? No. Ion, no. Ion is a, sh a channel that's changed and rebranded a few times, but through it all, it's stayed pretty much the same as far as its core demographic, who it's going after. Mm. It's trying to go for the grandparents. All right. And it's one of those channels that's kind of like Hallmark Channel stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where you feel like every show, if they were on a DVD rack, the back of the box would say heartwarming. That's the word that they would use. Mm -hmm. And it really surprised me. I guess it shouldn't have, but it really surprised me when Ion picked up Boston Legal. Because this is a channel that was running like um, the Andy Griffith show and Happy Days and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then, bam, Boston Legal. And it really made me stop and rethink about what the show is. And it really is a feel-goodery time, got, isn't it? It's got a great amount of heart and humanity in this. You feel like, uh, you know, when justice has been done, you feel good with the world when one of these lawyers sets something right. And... Yeah, very humane. You fall in love with these people. It's not just, you know, the casual characters are okay, but the the core characters, for me, the two guys, I I adore them. And at the same want them time, to be real. at the same time, while your faith in humanity is restored most of the time, they manage to lose just enough cases that it keeps you in suspense. Hmm. But never really the big guys, right? Or or they win the cases that are the wrong cases to win. Mm. Like there's a couple times where you know that that person that they're defending is guilty of murder. Yeah. And they do that well. Yeah. They do those cases well. And they have murder quite close to them as well, don't they? It's, it's not just a, a distant thing that they work with. These guys get naughty stuff in their lives as well. 
Well, they have to because of the way the plots work. It's like Murder, She Wrote. There's no reason that Jessica should have all those murders around her all the time. <laughs> but you know what I mean? They're, they're, it's a little bit too close. It never occurred to me that. That is horrifying. You wouldn't let Jessica Flesher near you, would you? I won't you? be friends with her. Because somebody at my party will die. It's as but simple as that. But that's just plot convenience. Hmm. If you're going to have a sustained show that's all about a murder writer, or in this case, try criminal trial lawyer, lawyers, they have to be trailing bad news wherever they go. You can't treat that as, as some sort of an exception. They, they're not real world people. They're, they're magnets mm. for evil. It's like the doctors in the arm must be like that. Everyone's sick. <laughs> and when I go out away from work, my friend gets shot or something like that. Everyone, and I have to do emergency stuff. Or I'm just there when an ambulance crashes. Damn these doctoring abilities. Mm. That's what happens. That's changed television for me, that now, actually. Anyway. (laughs) 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 And it works for everything. The crew of the Enterprise never had an uneventful week. No. Just like, what happened this week? Nothing. We just, <laughs> honestly, we just catalogued gas clouds and, and no one died. Nothing. In my time off, I did a jigsaw. How's the holodex working fine? Thing is, not yeah. it a sweater? All this. Enslin's, Ensign Billingsley, you've been assigned to the USS Enterprise. No, it's <laughs> cursed. <laughs> is everything bad will happen to that Can ship Can I take first? a puzzle magazine with me? I hear it's dull. Well, I still <laughs> maintain they'd watch telly on long voyages. They fucking would. They they've fucking got Netflix. Work. When they've, they've got, got Netflix nothing on going on on that bridge. Yeah. 36 hours till destination caps it. Right, bang a film on, because there's nothing happening until we get there. Can you imagine the stuff <laughs> on the cloud in them days? Bloody hell. Yeah, the, I bet the iTunes library in twenty the 2400s is quite extensive. Well, yeah. it's apparently only full of classical music. Yeah, yeah exactly. of course. Yeah. Imagine how many Adam Sandler films there'll of be by the 24th century. Of course, this has got Ace Music in it, bringing it back to Boston Legal. To, just to talk about the theme tune for a minute, we've got to, because, right, I don't know about you, but I'm going to own up. Um, when it comes on, do you do ow, 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 when it comes Not on? Not only when it comes on, but that's a song, that's like a default lodged in the back of my consciousness song that I sing in the shower. Yeah. It was my yeah, ringtone for a while. Mine as well. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because it makes for, you feel for good, For a long right? time, it was it was a triple play. It was uh, Boston Legal, Magnum P.I., or Knight Rider. Those were the three that were in heavy rotation. <laughs> I like that. I'd never answer the phone. I'm having enough trouble with my ringtone as it is. Right now at work, my employees are making fun of me because every time my phone rings, it's the Transformers theme. <laughs> I'm letting it play and I'm dancing around. I'm like, mm, ch, mm, ch, Transformers. That's, well, dude, you've got to get that in check. You know what they call an employee that makes fun of you? Unemployed. <laughs> That's what they do. Tell them I said that and point out just how generous you are that you have allowed them to continue to have jobs. Making fun of you. That is just out of order. I want to have that. <laughs> but yeah, it's the kind of theme tune that just makes you dance about a bit as well, you know. And, uh, it is high energy, and they do a couple of different takes on it. There's the one in season two where they go to New Orleans, and he's got to play it on his little kazoo. Oh, yeah. There's that one. And then, yeah. then there's the Jerry Espenson who does exactly what I've just described. 
It's right. A, it's a theme tune that does a good job of saying, we know it's a legal drama, but it's fun. It's funny, no. It's fun. It's the opposite of the Voyager theme tune. This, and it's another break of the fourth wall, that Jerry Espenson thing. It was kind of like, Jerry knows what we're doing at home, and he does it back to us. Well, while yeah. that one plays that time. We haven't mentioned how this show does that a lot. (laughs) They're constantly looking at the camera, making comments that don't fit in with the actual plot, that are kind of just totally meta comments. There's the one where, um, is it Alan? Yeah, it's Alan. Walks in at the end of an episode and says, oh, I haven't seen you much this week. Yeah, I haven't seen you this episode. Yeah. um, Right, I haven't seen you this episode. That's what it was. Yeah, and um, there's... uh, uh, like the Star Trek ones that are obviously self-referential. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that talk about what was said earlier or what's coming up. And uh, hey, what? Oh, they talk about the season being changed uh, in in the listings and that right. kind of thing. Season three, episode two is a classic example of that. There's something that Shatner says. They bring in new characters. And Shatner looks at him and says, oh, we would have done that in the season premiere if we were going to introduce new characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it should really annoy me, that kind of stuff. But no, it's not, done well. not one of them annoyed it me. It fits. It really it does. Because, it's and it fun. feels like they're having such a laugh at work. It's fine. So you know that, that these are actors at work, but they're also lawyers. And the two things can coexist completely happily in your mind. David E. Kelly is really good at using humor to offset the solemnity of the other parts of the show. You know, there's the parts where there's the really um, just for foreboding music, you know, the, the big tolling while they wait for the verdict to be read in the courtroom. Yeah. And then there's always the, the part that comes two minutes later to let you know, OK, it's time to laugh now. It's all right. Everything it might not have turned out the way you wanted, but you can have a bit of a laugh now. Yeah. Good at diffusing. Allowing the audience to to release some of that tension. So on paper, this is a perfect television show. Well, on Pixels, <laughs> I'm looking at the IMDB, they give it an 8.0 rating. Yeah. Which is pretty close to perfect. Yeah. I still feel it's a bit low. It deserves more than an 8, doesn't it? 8 out of 10? I, I think it's better than 8. I mean, what's personally it? for me, sure. Where are you chipping away points from? I don't, it, you know? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, does it feel like when you reflect on the whole lot, does it feel like you've got filler? No, not at all. I don't think I, so I either. I think because there's, you know, when they do a storyline that it's a very self-contained show mm. in many ways. Of course, they occasionally do arcs that take a couple of episodes. They and certainly we're going to talk do from season those. two onwards, yeah. don't they? But even then, when they do that, those things are, are, are reasonably self-contained. So it's it's fairly easy to keep up with. I've completely lost my train of thought and the point I started out but, making. Uh, well, I was so saying, was there any filler? Yeah, and so you don't really get filler in term, in the same way that you do with a series like Fringe or The X-Files. Something that has a a whole season overarching story. Mm. 
you know. I think that there might be certain characters that get a little bit too much screen time, a little bit too much focus, especially later on. Mm. I think um, I think you'll hear me talk next week about how maybe Jerry Espenson shouldn't have been on the show for quite so long. Not for quite so long. He was amazing for at least I, a I season. Liked him, I liked him in the first season that he was there, but it seems like they dragged out his character a little bit too long. Maybe he didn't... Um, I don't know. Maybe it was pandering, but still, he didn't resonate with me in any way. Mm. And with as large an ensemble cast as this has, well, maybe he gets points knocked off for for seasons where you just don't get that particular cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I see I'm guessing say. too. Maybe that. Um, maybe that some people on the right of the political spectrum didn't like the show. Didn't rate it quite as high. Maybe that's what brought it down from a maybe like a nine point nine to mm. an eight point oh. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe so. There's bound to be people, uh, like you say, who who would be quite repelled by this. Would turn it off and be mm. liberal namby-pamby nonsense. Namby-pamby. <laughs> you know? No, it you're absolutely be. right. You're to quote a Klopek. Yeah. Namby-pamby. <laughs> He's amazing. He is brilliant, isn't he? Henry Gibson is amazing. He He's my favourite judge. And just when you when you're watching any of them and he pops up, you're like, "Yes, it's Judge Henry." <laughs> I love him. It's it's a very quotable show when he gets into it, to say the least. Outrageous. And that's what you have to say. Quite frankly, um, I'm looking to see if he's still alive. He's Do we not. know if he's still alive? I know. No, he's, he's not. Mm, that's too bad. We'll never get a a Burb sequel. No, that that was written off a long time ago, I'm afraid. I don't think we'd talk Tom, Hank, Tom Hanks into it either, if I'm honest. I don't think he'd go for it. Although he's, he's generally seen to be fun, isn't he? Maybe he would. Tom, if you're listening, Burbs too, man. Seriously. I, w- I want to think that if I ever talked to him, he would admit that the Burbs was one of his favorite projects. Uh, yeah, I'll go with you on that one. I want to believe. <laughs> I do believe. I do believe with, with that is true. a great deal of fun, but I think he had a great deal of fun with his character here. It must have been hilarious. You No, we mean Tom Hanks, you mean oh, Tom Mr. Hunt. Klopek. Uh, yeah. But never mind. But still, yeah, both of them <laughs> must have had a great deal of fun on your favourite film of all time, yes. It yeah, to be so. I, I bet they did. Yeah. Indeed. Do we have anything else to say about this? We, I mean, we've, we've got another two shows that we know we've got to, that, that, that exist about this show. I think that's a pretty good stopping point. We pretty much covered all the basics. Mm. Great characters, great cases, great political commentary, uh, good spots, bad spots. Sexy, sexy, Alan. Thank you, Alison. You're welcome. You sound a little breathless there. Everything okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Do you need to go to your bunk? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'll put it in the bank. Oh, that made it worse somehow. (laughs) That made it worse right there. That's great. Allison, when you watched The Little Rascals, did you like Spanky? What's The Little Rascals? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) It was a very... It's a very old TV show about a bunch of little kids. One of them, one of them was called Spanky. <laughs> well, it sounds um, dirty when you I, don't know what I, it is, doesn't I, it? I there don't you go. really know what you're saying, but I'm going to say yeah. 
Wow, brilliant. Brilliant. <sighs> the Little Rascals, 5.9 yeah. out of 10. Looking at oh, That's the movie. It was an old TV show back in the 60s, maybe. Okay, I've got some little um, YouTube videos uh, showing up here. Um, one of Spanky and Scotty, so I'll watch that after the show. It's occurring to me, though, that you never got a very, very funny joke in Tommy Boy. You'll have to watch it again now. Okay. What, Tommy Boy? That Tommy Boy. The Chris Farley, David, David Spade. Spade movie. Yeah. I've probably seen that more than once, actually, which I'm a little bit ashamed of. It's a very good comedy. There's no reason to be ashamed. I'm a, I'm a little ashamed. So I, I, think, I think there is, actually. It's not a very good comedy at all. <laughs> it's awful. Let's be honest. No, it's Tommy Boy fun. is great. Don't even go there. You're making me sad. You're making my heart I'm cry. I'm sorry. No, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, never mind. It's it's a film we'll, you wouldn't like. But then we'll I thought you after. wouldn't like Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle and you loved that film. So I don't know. It just makes All me bets hungry. Are off. All bets are off now. I don't know. <laughs> like Harold and Guma, it was just on. Right. For the last 20 minutes, and it was funny when they went and got the food. It, it was. It was indeed. <laughs> was funny. Anyway. We go. might have to put Tommy Boy down on the movies you should see list. Tommy Boy. I need, what the fuck is I need to search now. Just bear with me a second. Tommy Boy. We should. I, I was saying Chris just Farley, today. David Spade, 1995. I was saying just That's today it. that we need. I need to get some films on that movies you should see list that I know are bad films. So that, because what's the point in deciding whether something is a movie you should see or not if they all are? There's no, yeah. there's no point then, is there? Um, Brian so Dennehy's we, we in it some, as well. We and Bud Eric and Dan Aykroyd. Some shit films to go along with it all. That's what the new movies you should see is all about, though, is, just, is looking at a broad range of films, not just the best ones, mm. but ones that could live right on the edge. And then we get to vote, find out whether they are movies you should or should not see. It's a good show. It's quite fun. People seem to like it. I think that like that's it. a good back, backdoor plug for movies you should it see. It was right awesome. Yeah. That was smooth as shit. That Very was. well done. That was awesome. A, a backdoor plug. A butt plug. <laughs> I think we should we call this. Yeah, we should end this episode <laughs> oh, and, and come back another day and do another. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to say, do you know what? There'll be some wrap up stuff for the podcast people. If you're listening to this in the future and simply everything, you, you don't need to know this. So I, I think to you guys, we just say goodbye now. And maybe the episode ends here. But if you're listening to me like recently after I've recorded this, then maybe this is more relevant. So bye, you people. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. It just, it, it just, because I'm going to talk, I, I think we should talk about SoundCloud. My headphones keep slipping off my head tonight. What, what can I do about it? I don't know, I'm just shrunk. saying, it's been like five can times. You do, can you do the thing where you make them smaller? No, they're already the smallest. Then we just, I'll, you know my solution will be. My head's shrinking. Be, you know my solution will involve duct tape. <laughs> so I'll cover my I, mouth, I unless you're going that way. What I I don't know is that I'll something we're trying like to avoid. This. I'll sit here like this. That works. With my fingers just on my... Just put them on your head. How are they falling my... off? It's the same pair of headphones you've had for years. What's the problem? Today they don't fit. They don't fit. 
Does Lisa behave like this in front of people? Because <laughs> Alison does. You know. I think Jason's gone. I wouldn't. I won't blame him. No, I'm. I'm still here. I'm just trying not to laugh. He, I thought he's trying to gone. Not to make inappropriate comments. <laughs> oh, I think you should make them. Okay. So, the reason that your headphones don't fit is because you're so swollen and flushed from thinking about Alan Shore. No, my head's shrunk, not swollen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> disregard that then. Anyway, I was going to talk <laughs> to the I podcast people so hot about that stuff. I've sweated all the fat off my head, and you know, whatever. But that's not the reason. You haven't sweated all the fat off your head. <laughs> Begging Podcast the question, people. how fat was your head in the first place? Podcast people. I just wanted to say, on a podcast, because this is the first uh, one I, I've taken part in since this has all happened, and, and Remote Patrol is the first show that's kind of been the tester for this. We've moved all our podcast hosting away from where it has been historically, and we're giving SoundCloud a go. Uh, and so I just wanted to point out, if, if if you're listening to the podcast, you will notice no change. You can continue subscribing through iTunes. You don't have to do anything. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. But if you're a pod, uh, SoundCloud user, I just wanted to make you aware that you can now follow this show in SoundCloud and do all the things that uh, you can do with SoundCloud. I'm especially looking forward to see if people put comments on the timeline of the SoundCloud episode. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, and now, and you see that when you go to our website as well, you don't uh, don't need to visit the SoundCloud website to see all of that. It's all embedded in ours at simplysyndicated.com If you've just found us on SoundCloud and don't know who we are, I don't know if this is worth listening to. Uh, but we have lots of stuff there, so you know, and everything is going to be on SoundCloud. So I just wanted to point that out, and so that's why simply everything people didn't need to know, but yeah. podcast people might be interested. SoundCloud's great. I really, I'm really, I really impressed like with it. it. I'm really pleased with it. Um, wait till you get Atomic Trivia War on there and start seeing all the stats and stuff like that. Oh, we've got an episode up there already. I, I sent yeah, them. It, it, I sorry, I was just going to say I sent them the email today with your account details on, so that should be updated very soon. I well, think. I was impressed just with the entry level account with the uh, the completeness of the stats as they were. Mm. Mm. So I'm eager to see how much that is enhanced with the pro account. I have no idea because I've only seen the pro account working. <laughs> but it's, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with it. I'm pleased with it. Mm. And I like that people can embed it and share it around and that sort of thing because that's what we want. Indeed. That's lovely. Help us spread the word of our show mm. and entertain more people and all that sort of thing. And also, don't forget, go and listen to Simply Everything. Because that helps us directly as well. That's only four ninety nine a month, and you get our entire back catalogue of things, uh, and it works. All of it. All of it. I'm currently adding everything, so it's it's all good there. People who have got it are very pleased We've with it. We've been so around far. for eight years, you know. That's a lot of stuff. A yeah. lot of stuff. Did I send around the email about the free podcasters account, Jason? You did. I think. Actually, now I've said that, I don't think the, I did. Cause you if should it's the one I'm thinking of. Right. I don't know. I'll get onto that. That's irrelevant to everyone but you and me. So ignore that. Um, <laughs> I have nothing else to say. If you want to email us about anything, you can do at uh, remotepatrol at simplysyndicated.com. Please visit either our SoundCloud page or simplysyndicated.com slash show slash remotepatrol, and you can leave some comments. We'd love to get some feedback. 
Uh, also, from our website, you'll find all the social stuff online, the Google Plus community and the Facebook groups and all that sort of thing is all on there. Feedback is good, um, and I, I like reading it all. So that's everything. We just like talking to people. I do, we yeah. Do. And, and we also like hearing your suggestions for the show as well, because you never know, it might be on our list. It might make us bump it up a little bit. It might be interesting. Because you know we've been taking it in turns to pick one. Mm. If we make a listener's choice, the fourth option. Mm. So we all do a turn, and then we maybe do one that our, our audience chooses. Just a thought. I like that. We have to be careful, because they might suggest some awful stuff. Well, you know. You, know you, you get the movies, you should see emails. You know, you've seen. But there you go. Um, I think that is everything, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Sure is. You know, <laughs> we've never said movies you should see is back. Or well, we have, but we've well, never made it clear. Have, yeah. New episodes, it's people. Back. It's back. It's got Jason on it, one of them. Brilliant. One of them. I know for sure that we talk about Casino. Yeah, we do that. There's Jackie Brown we've done. We've done The Big Lebowski. And mm. we've got more coming up. Make It So is back. Six new episodes of those on Simply Everything. Awesome. I think that's everything I've got to plug now. Isn't it? Yeah, I think that sounds so. like everything for so. now. Yeah. Go and check out other episodes of this show. I'm just, let's end this because I'm just, ta- yeah, I'm just talking, talking shit now. at people. Jason, wrap it. <coughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Bye, everybody. See ya. I'm turning off the recording process <laughs> and the live broadcasting. Bye.